podcast, every week I'll share leadership thoughts, books I'm reading, or tools I'm using to teach leadership skills. I believe everyone has influence. Every family, school, church, city, country is determined by its capacity for effective leadership. So let's jump in. Welcome to the Leadership Podcast, and uh, it's good to have you with with me today. I want to take a couple of sessions to talk about uh, some, usually on the Leadership Podcast, we talk out of where I'm living, what I'm dealing with. And I want to take a couple of sessions to talk about the context of my recovery from knee surgery and the piece that I happened to listen to and then what I happened to read after that. So two weeks ago, from the point of this recording, I had uh, minor knee surgery. Of course, minor surgery is when they operate on you, but major surgery is when they operate on me. And uh, it's taking me a little longer than it took 10 years ago when I had the same surgery on the other knee. And that was a meniscus repair, and uh, it's taking me a little longer to recover. Even as I came back into where Pete and I are recording this, um, the the pain in my knee, uh, reminder that as uh, I just was told, you're moving too fast, and I'm sitting here with ice on my knee. Um, well, so I'm recovering for the last couple of months. I did this in September. I, I injured the knee in September. I... I uh, struggled for a number of months trying to play through it, play tennis through it, run through it, and knowing in the back of my mind, I'm pretty sure this is a meniscus tear. If you've ever had it, you know it's like a flat tire. It's just like there's nothing in that in that joint. And um, and so I finally succumbed to going to the doctor in November. It took me until January to get the, the uh, surgery scheduled. And I... Uh, started the process of recovery, and a couple of days after I had the surgery, uh, one of the books that I'd wanted to to get to reading was Dr. Kelly McGonigal's new book, The Joy of Movement. Now you say, why when you were down on your back with a big dream or a game maker ice machine around your leg, pumping pressure and ice? Uh, where are you going to read a book called The Joy of Movement? Well, part of it is my friend Ryan Hawk, who I I, I uh, just, again, I know I say it frequently on this, but a source of my learning is Ryan's weekly podcast, The Learning Leader Show. If you're not a regular listener on, on, uh, on that, I, I recommend it. But a few weeks ago, he had one of my favorite authors, Dr. Kelly McGonigal, on and interviewed her. Uh, Kelly wrote The Upside of Stress, which regular listeners of the Leadership Podcast know uh, has was a tremendous resource for me and just the positivity of stress and reframing stress. But uh, her latest book is The Joy of Movement. And the essence of the book is that is there are two realities. It is the biology and the psychology that you were made for movement. You were made for movement. And the second is, is that has a maximum payoff when you do it with other people. So, for example, we call it the runner's high. The runner's high is often used as the 
carrot at end at the end of the bait of exercise running it's often used as the, the runner's high is the reward for any of you who are reluctant to exercise uh you know you you need to do it to the extent that you get this high and one of her discoveries is that it is really not accurate to call it the runner's high in terms of the intoxicating effects of running it's really the persistence high. The persistence high is that your body rewards you when you break through quitting barriers. So the runner's high, which is a relative experience based on a person's physiology, is what a runner experiences when they reach that part. I think it's usually, for most people, it's usually 25 minutes, 20 to 25 minutes into running. That's the general um, category of it. Uh it happens to all of us. It's your body rewarding you for persisting through quitting points. For example, she quotes Dan Stern, who describes tears streaming down his face during mile seven of his morning jog. Quote, I flew closer and closer to the place mystics and shamans and acid heads all try to describe. Each moment became precious. I felt simultaneously all alone and completely connected. Still others draw parallels not to alcohol or religion, but to love. On a Reddit forum dedicated to explaining what the runner's high feels like, one user posted, I love what I'm doing and love everyone I see. That is such a great description. Another offered, it's like when you fancy someone and they tell you that they like you too. Ultra runner Stephanie Case describes her mid-run glow this way, I feel connected to the people around me, the loved ones in my life, and I'm infinitely positive about the future. You see, while runners have a reputation for praising this high, the side effect, however, is not exclusive to running. A similar euphoria can be found in any sustained physical activity, hiking, swimming, cycling, dancing, yoga. But the high emerges only after a significant effort. It is our brain's way of rewarding us for working hard. Why does that reward exist? And more importantly, why would it make you feel like loving? Well, the latest research about the runner's high makes this claim. Our ability to experience exercise-induced euphoria is linked to our earliest relatives, ancestors' lives as hunters, as foragers. We were literally in the days when our ancestors had to hunt for food. They were rewarded for staying in the woods long enough until they shot the buck, until, until they you know, beat the predator. And so our bodies are wired to reward endurance. What, what this did for me is, so I'm lying in a, on our couch and I'm reading this and I have the the dream, I'm sorry, I keep saying that, the game ready, this is a dream maker when you, when you really help your body recover, it is kind of a dream ready uh, machine, but the game ready machine is around my knee and I'm lying there and everything within me as I'm reading this book wants to get up and run. I just like, oh my gosh, I'm so motivated, I'm so motivated. What I will tell you this is, is this, listeners, so you say, why... You know, in an era when you should be slowing down, the reason I don't want to 
is because taking care of how God wired my body to move is, for me, a huge part of protecting and growing the energy it takes to lead. Our lethargy informs others of our leadership. One of the important aspects of the stewarding of leadership is the caretaking of how God wired our body, my body. One of the reasons I love this book is just learning more about why is it that I do get depressed if I'm not moving? Why have the last couple of months been difficult for me because I've had to shut down tennis? And um, even after Christmas, like I did a lot of working out over Christmas break, but after that, I, I went to, I was just doing pull-ups and ab roller, you know? I mean, it was all I could do because my knee was really feeling bad and then surgery. And why is it's been tough? It's because literally I've not been able to release the the echocannabinoids, the chemicals in my body that are, if it sounds familiar, it's related to the same effect of cannabis on the body. Those chemicals in my body that God designed to be released so that I love better. Sherry's way of understanding this is I get grumpy when I don't exercise. I don't love as well. And for those of you who lead, it is not a selfish act to make sure you're doing what you can to move, to bust through points of quitting physically. If that's seven miles on a run, if that's seven minutes on a treadmill, whatever it is for you to where you experience that, I'm optimistic about the future and I want to love better today. Whatever, whatever, whatever it takes to do that, do that. I was talking earlier, we were recording a Chucked podcast in which I said that, you know, I've always looked at my life as an interconnected concentric circles of, I'm first of all a person with a relationship with God, I'm second, secondly a a partner with a relationship with my wife, Sherry. I'm thirdly a parent with a relationship with my children. And I'm fourthly a professional with a relationship with my calling. What I didn't add to that that I would add now is that I'm I'm fifthly, and in the order of priorities, I would put it here, but it is related. I'm fifthly a player with a responsibility, a relationship to my recreation. And that would include exercise. Now, I could make the argument that that one connects right back into the first one that my and the second one. My relationship with God and my wife is intricately connected to my activity as, as one who must play, who must run, who must physically exert myself so that I can maximize my relationship in those other spheres. So... Recommendation, listen to Ryan's podcast with Kelly McGonigal and then pick up the book. Because if you're if if you are laid up right now like I was, it'll motivate you to say, Okay, this is why I've got to take care of my body. This is honestly why I need to rehabilitate. It is connected to my spheres of influence with my partner, with my children, with my profession and even with my relationship with God. You were wired to move. And until next time, when we revisit this on the Leadership Podcast, this is Charlie McMahon.
Thanks for listening. Tune in every week as we continue learning and growing in faith, in life, and leadership. And if this has been helpful to you, subscribe and spread the word. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you.